This episode of Dear Culture Podcast is brought to you by the all-new Honda HRV. Every creator is driven by a strong sense of curiosity, and the 2023 HRV is ready for any path that the power of determination can lead to. With sleek exterior styling and a spacious interior, this SUV is a statement piece made to keep up with the pace of your dynamic lifestyle. The all-new Honda HRV. Learn more at thebestlookinghrvever.com. In my write-up, I made a couple comments like, you've probably never seen this movie. Like, I wasn't I wasn't gracious about me yeah, presenting. Me. <laughs> okay, I'm going to have to take that. I'm going to have to take that. What's going on? And welcome to Dear Culture, the podcast for, by, and about black culture, blackness, the black community. In the words of Don King, that's the blackness. We are here to talk about uh, different facets of the community, different conversations we're having in the community. And even when some of us in the community might be wrong or overstating or understating, having an opportunity to like make it a growth moment for everybody involved and talk about some things that are going on. And I am your host, Panama Jackson. And such is the case with my <laughs> guest today, Renika McQueen. How are you Hi. doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Yeah, I'm so glad to have you here. And it's we're going to talk about how we met. But first, I'm going to do your bio yeah. so people can understand. I'm, I'm going to do your bio. Then I'm going to explain how we got here. And then okay. we're going to jump right into it. All right. <laughs> so Renika McQueen is a married mother of five, former corrections officer for 17 years. we got to talk about that. Uh, author, creator, executive producer of Deceitful Passions and the movie Cain and Abel. So Deceitful Passions is a movie and the movie Cain and Abel. Uh, her third film, A Family Divided, is in post-production due to premiere in late summer, early fall this year? Yes. Okay. Uh, so welcome to Dear Culture. Thank you for Thank joining you. us. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Now let's talk about how you got here. Yeah, okay. let's talk about it. <laughs> All right. So this is this is actually fun. And this is this is how social media makes connections that might not otherwise be made. For February, I did I, I unfolded this series at the Grio uh, called 20 is a 28 days of black movies. Right. So for every single day of February, minus a couple of days, my mother passed away. Uh, so I had to take a couple a, a couple of days off. But when I got back to it, um, I reviewed a movie and they're not really reviews. So it's not really, I wasn't really doing movie reviews. I was trying to find like an interesting take on each movie to like write something about. And you executive produced this movie, uh, or mm -hmm. we'll talk more about all your roles, called okay. Cain and Abel. I came across it on Amazon Prime. Mm -hmm. I watched it because it was called Cain and Abel. And at the description, <laughs> I was like, what is happening here, right? So I was like, let me watch this. And there's like a, there's like this fundamental question in it. I can't even remember exactly what it was like. Oh, yeah, the aunt. Spoiler alert. So one of the one of the guys kills like the like one of the main characters' husbands, right? And if I'm butchering mm -hmm. it, please, please feel free to correct me. <laughs> no, um, and then the aunt asks her to like not press charges because yes. she should have known better than tell him about where the money was and all this kind of stuff, right? Yes, and you were. So I use that as a I use that as an opportunity to kind of create a question about whether this was a ridiculous ask. Mm -hmm. But. In my write-up, I made a couple comments like, you've probably never seen this movie. Like, I wasn't I wasn't gracious about me yeah, presenting. Me. <laughs> okay, I'm going to have to take that. I'm going to have to take that. <laughs> well, you saw the review. Yes, you saw that you, you got it. Yes. And you reached out on Twitter and was like, mm -hmm. even though you trashed it, yeah. you know, 
Like, what did what exactly do you remember exactly what you like, said? Like, I, I, you know what? I read the article and I was like, because when I first saw it, I was like, oh wow, somebody did a review on Ken and Abel, so I was excited. And then after I read it, I was like, oh my god, like he trashed it. <laughs> but then I just reached out and I was like, you know, even though you trashed it, I still want to, you know, just thank you for doing a review and I hope that you continue to support me. It's my second movie and I'm trying to grow from it and learn and you know, take it as a learning lesson. And I, I think I even asked you, well, hopefully you'll support uh, my next movie that's coming out. Right. And I remember pointing out, you know, and I in that moment, I think it's easy to forget that when you write things online mm. that people actually read these things. Like, I, this is a lesson I've learned. I've gotten in legit beefs with celebrities that we all know because of articles that I wrote. Where I didn't think that I was being so negative, but it got taken mm. a certain way. Um so anyway, so I so I responded back, mm-hmm. and I'm like, you know what, you like oh and two, you like you two movies up on me, so you know more than I do. <laughs> and then I reached out, I was like, you know what, would you be willing to come talk to me about being a filmmaker? Because I don't know anything about that. I'm over here talking about your movie, <laughs> but the truth is, I don't know anything about this industry, about what it takes to do this stuff. I don't know. I don't even know what I don't know. And I'm so glad that you asked me to come here and talk about it. So I'm I'm glad that it happened. Yeah, so I appreciate you, one, for being so gracious enough to not, like, when I DM'd you to not call my, me and my mama all kinds of names, um, <laughs> but to be like, you know what, I'm willing to come talk about this. So yeah. I, I appreciate you for that, the the, the back and forth exchange we had. Thank um, you. Before we get into that, let me talk a little, so where are you from? Like, where, where, where are you from? I am born and raised in Detroit, Michigan. Okay. Yeah. Um, I used to live in Ann Arbor and Ipsy. Okay. Uh, my mother, before she passed, was in Jackson. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to talk about this. D- Detroit has quite the movie scene, yo. Y'all, <laughs> is, y'all are on it in the D, bro. Like, yeah, yeah. Wait, what part of Detroit are you from? Uh, I'm from the east side. Okay. Because mm-hmm. I had this whole thing that I want to do about the Southwest Detroit cinematic universe. Like, all oh, them guys, okay. like, Murder Paint, all them. Like, yeah. I watch all that stuff. Yeah. I, lo- I actually love it. So, even though I, you you felt like I was trashing Kane and Abel, <laughs> I actually watch that stuff. When I see it's from Detroit, I'm like, yo, sign me up. Now, what makes you feel like that when you see things from Detroit? What, when you watch our movies, what make you interested? Like, what what holds your attention about Detroit making movies? That is a wonderful question. And I'm nobody's ever asked me that, but let me share. <laughs> I saw the movie Plug Love, right? Oh, so that was Plug um Love. Yo, I watched this. I told everybody, yo, you have got to watch this movie. Like, it's I don't classic. know who these folks are that made it, but yo, so I put so many people onto that movie. And then I started, I did like, you know, on Amazon, you can like click on somebody's name and then mm-hmm. it'll like pull. And I saw I saw the dude's name, Murder Pain. I was like, yo, I want to watch everything <laughs> that this dude makes. So I watched. The movie about the buffs. I watched McGraw. Yeah. Anything and everything. And yeah. so at that point, I was like, let me see what else was going on in Detroit. So I started looking. Anytime I would see anything Detroit related, because the production value was so good. Like, I might I might not have been favorable to the movie. Yeah. But what I won't take away, the production value in that joint was amazing. Like, Oh, thank you. Are you talking, yeah, wait, perf- are you talking about Plug Love or Kane and Abel? No, I'm talking about your movie. I'm talking about Kane oh, and Abel. So, right, well, yeah, listen, this that. is about you, man. We are talking <laughs> about you. We didn't, you asked me how I got thank here. You. Now we talk about you. So, I want to talk thank about you. everything related to you and what you're doing. Okay. The production value was amazing. Thank like, I, I didn't mention that because I was talking about the specific scene. But <laughs> I was like, yo, people look like whatever's happening in the D, like y'all have figured it out, whatever <laughs> it is. 
Um, so tell me a little bit about your start. Like, how do we even get to the point where you're <laughs> executive producing, right, and making movies? Like, what's your what's your backstory here? Um, so I'll say this. I'll go back to my very first movie, which was Deceitful Passions. That was a book I wrote, I want to say, in, like, 2007. Um, and although it is not a true story, it's fiction, um, the main character in what she's going through with her significant other, her husband, is coming from a place from me, from some hurt and different things I experienced in a relationship. So I wrote the book initially, starting off writing about, you know, about a man cheating and how it was just affecting the woman, you know what I'm saying? But I had to make more around the storyline for it to be interesting, more interesting. So that's how I initially got started by writing that book years ago. But what happened was another director from here, shout out to BZ Jones, was having a movie premiere, and I attended that. I wanted to go to that because I had never seen our people have a movie premiere, right, you know, in our city. So I went to that. I saw the movie. When I tell you that the movie theater was packed, it was red carpet, everybody looked amazing, makeup, hair, they was dressed to the nines. You like know, like Black like, Panther, like everybody showed up like like the Black Panther experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like they was out supporting, and so I really loved that. And I was like, I want to do this. How can I do this? So um, after that, I reached out to him and his wife, and I told him I wanted to make a movie. And I told him I had a book that I would like to get turned into a script, and um, that's how it started. It went from there. They told me they would read the book. We met up. They said if we don't like the book. We're not going to work with you. You know, this is our name. We're putting on things. And I was like, okay. And I think she told me to give her like a week. So maybe like the fifth or sixth day I hadn't heard anything. And I was like, oh, they ain't like the book. But then they end up reaching out to me and they did. And that's where it, it started. You know, we met up again and I went from there. So how much was, okay. So this is Deceitful Passion. So mm -hmm. did you... You executive produced that. What, so what are what are the yes. role? What roles did you take in that? So you you did you so do any of the scripting? Deceitful did Passions, you do any of that? It was my very first movie, and okay. what I did was I executive produced it. I helped with the casting call. Um, okay. Not only did I executive produce it, I produced it as well. Meaning, you know, I was um, running out buying clothes. I did wardrobe. I did uh, scout locations. I did as much as I possibly could. I did not direct it because BZ Jones, he directed it as well um, as doing the cinematography and he did the editing and things like that. But I was really hands on. And um, yeah, so it was a learning experience. Up, yes, I learned a lot from it and I came up with the money for it by myself. <laughs> okay. Man, I Hustling, was robbing I like Peter it. to pay Paul, but I got it done. So, I mean, that's what dreams are, though, right? Like, it's, yeah. you, you, you got to do what you got to do to make those dreams come true. Yes. So then. How do we go from Deceitful Passions? Because what year did that, that came out in 2017? Uh, nope, it came out in 2019, 2018, 2019. Okay. I'm sorry. One of them. Right. <laughs> so, years ago. So what was the path then from that movie, seeing it come out? Like you see mm -hmm. the finished product, like you see your baby, like you see it yeah. on screen, you see all that, you see it put together to getting to Cain and Abel. So once I did that, and, you know, it took a while for the editing and the sound and different things like that, and um, I got it all done, and I sent it in to a distribution company, and uh, they got it put on all these different streaming networks for me, and that was amazing. But before I even did that, I had a movie premiere just like BZ did, and um, 
Oh, I was so blessed. It was amazing. When I tell you my coworkers, strangers, um, friends, just they showed up and showed out. It was such a beautiful thing. And I knew then that it was my passion. Like when I wasn't filming, I was bored and I was kind of like fiending for it, like, oh, I got to do something else. So I was like, let me do another movie. Now, Cain and Abel originally was something that I had written. It started off as a book, but I never published it. And so originally it was called My Brother's Keeper. But as I was filming Deceitful Passions, I don't know why I decided to change it to Cain and Abel. And that's how I came up with Cain and Abel. And I was like, I'm ready to do that and just start making the phone calls again for cinematographers, lighting, gaffers, all of that kind of stuff and put it together. So you basically put all the pieces together for that movie to come to life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how long did it take to do that? Like, so well, not not the filming, but like putting all the pieces together, like the casting. Um, and again, well, re- you know re- what? Re- let me that... remind you, I don't know what I don't know. So all, I don't know what it takes to put all these <laughs> things together. So you're going to you're educating me <laughs> in this process. No, for I think for me, that is one of the easier processes, because as you get into this industry, you know, it's really about networking so that you can see who does cinematography, who does sound, who does audio mixing, who does lighting, who does, you know what I'm saying? So you have to network and get to know people. So once I did that and did Deceitful Passions, I started meeting people. I started going to um, film mixers and Royal Oaks and, and Royal Oak and meeting different people. And so when I decided I wanted to do a Cain and Abel, I pretty much already had people in mind who I wanted to work on Cain and Abel. So that was pretty easy, just reaching out to them, seeing if they were interested and talking about, you know, the pay and my budget and different things like that. And once I got that together, um, the next thing to do was, okay, I got my team and everybody, let me have a casting call. So I had a flyer done up, put it out there on social media. I had a casting call. People came, they auditioned. Um, A lot of them did great. You know, and then once I pick my people to be in the movie, I pick my cast. Then the next thing is to have a table read. Everybody come together, sit down, who will play in the movie, and they read their part and, you know, go over the script. And then after that, you rehearse for the next few weeks. And after that is go mode. All right. How long did it take to film? Like, you, you talked about everything it took to get to the preparation. How long did it take to actually film Cain and Abel? I think um, Cain and Abel... Don't quote me, might have been 10, 10, 11 days. Oh, wow. Something like that. Is that quick? I'm assuming that's fast. Um, Yeah, yeah, that's quick because, you know, some people, it could be 15 days. It could be longer. It depends on if you have to take a break and come back and start up. It just depends. But I think it was pretty quick. It's pretty quick. It sounds quick to me. Like, you know, that's that sounds that sounds fast. Like it sounds like you kind of got to get in, get out. (laughs) Like you got to get your shots, get your scenes, you know, make things work. And let me say this. Um, It depends on just your crew altogether, too. If you have a great crew, everybody is doing their job, doing what they're supposed to do. The cast, they know their lines. Um, They've been studying, rehearsing and they get in front of the camera and they knock it out, then, of course, that's less takes you have to do. You know what I'm saying? So that will allow it to go by quicker, too, even during the day while you're filming like that day. If everybody is just on point with their part of the process, then, yeah, it can be a quick process. 
did you do like the the um the big screening and all that stuff like like you did with deceitful pat like with with deceitful yeah, passion you did yes, all that stuff yes you have to do it because it allows your cast and crew to be you know um just admired and you know what i'm saying gives them something to feel good about so you definitely want to do that if you don't want to do it for yourself you do it for them you know people come out congratulate them it makes them feel good you feel good as well too all right so once that movie gets out there and i this is gonna this is gonna segue into kind of how we we came to be here <laughs> Like, I don't, so let me say this. I don't know how, I know I'm one of those people that looks for movies all through Amazon Prime or like I have, I have subscriptions to every black outlet you can possibly watch black movies on. Like I literally, like they're not even black movies. It's like I watch movies and then there's white movies. You know what I'm saying? Like the main, like movie, the regular movies are like the white movies. Like my whole life is pretty much living in this, in this space, in this vein. I don't know if everybody, I don't think everybody's like me when it comes to i have a bunch of friends who are like that too where i know if i ask about a movie on something he's like yeah i watched that joint you know i watched it like you know i wrote about movies like my side piece hit the lotto like i was like oh i gotta watch this i mean it's got side pieces and lotto in it i'm in, i'm there mm-hmm. how do you like how do you gauge whether the movie is doing like what are your expectations for these movies when you release them when you make them and release them like is it a financial expectation is it a viewership like what's the how do you gauge the success of one of these movies? Well, I think for one, you got to know your audience. So when you put movies out there, you got to pretty much know um, who's going to watch. Like I said, you got to know your audience, what type of movie you've just put out. You know what I'm saying? And then, yes, of course, you would like to make some money from it because you've spent a nice amount of money, you know, putting it together. And everybody budget is different. Some people may have a little bit more to put into the movie. Some may have less. But, you know, what I want people to know is, you know, you're just doing the best that you can. And the fact that you, you're you stepping out on faith and you're taking that chance and the opportunity to do it. And so that's why I hate when I hear people trashing our films because, no, it may not be the greatest, but you got to start from somewhere. We're going to jump right into that. Real quick, <laughs> how do you make money on these films? So when it's put um, a distribution, when it's distributed on a different streaming networks, the more people mm-hmm. watch it, the more you get paid. So you get paid per stream? Like there's a like kind of like on Spotify with music and songs and stuff like that. There's a. Yeah. Yeah. OK. Mm-hmm. Yeah. OK. Yeah. I, I never knew that. I always wondered because I'm like, there are so many movies out here. Like. I wonder yeah. if. So you got to promote it. You know what I'm saying? That's another thing you're. When you're in indie film, you're doing a lot. You're promoting it by yourself. You're doing a lot of things on your own by yourself. You're like everything for your movie. You determine if it's going to fail, if it's going to do well, because you're the one that's out there like, hey, check my movie out. You're the one that's on social media posting it. You know, when you're out and about passing out flyers old school, I mean, letting people, making people aware of, of the work that you've done, you know, so that they can watch it. Is that stressful? Like having to basically be, I mean, you basically just said you eat what you kill, right? So if yeah. you don't promote it, then nobody will know it exists and nobody yeah, will see it. So you have to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It can be stressful, but I mean, if you out, let's say you got to eat, you at the bar, you meet somebody, y'all just talking, laughing, kicking, you slide them a flyer like, hey, you know, I make movies, check it out. They're like, oh, okay, I will. You know, when you go out of town, it could be fun. It just depends on how you do it. Um, The only thing that's stressful, 
stressful for me about it is some days I don't even want to look at social media. I get sick of it, but I know that I have to get on there. I have to promote. I have to post. Um, I have to talk back to people, you know, when they make comments and stuff about it because I'm building a fan base for my production company and for my work. And, you know, you may admire Deceitful Passions and hate Cain and Abel, or you may like Cain and Abel and hate Deceitful Passions, but either way, I just appreciate you watching all together. So when you saw what <laughs> I wrote about it, so well, well, before we, t- like, how much, how much, how many reviews do you see or do you see online for this type of, for these type of movies? Because honestly, so here, what I'm going to say is going to sound kind of odd considering what mm-hmm. I wrote. I genuinely feel like I'm one of the few people that writes about the, the movies in these spaces. And oh, no, you're not. There you go. So and here's a funny part. Here's, here's the other thing. Even though what, you know, I, I trashed the movie, as you said, mm-hmm. I can promise you, I know people who watch the movie because of me. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate it. And I believe that to be true, too. Part of the reason I got into doing a lot of movies. So I watch because I watch all these movies, but I get so much joy out of them that when I write it, I write it in ways that people are, people hate me. They're like, I can't believe I watched this movie because of you. Not your movie in particular. People are like, yo, I can't believe I watched this nonsense because of you. But I watched it because you made it sound so fun. And I have fun watching them. So I'd be wanting to share. So I included that movie partially because... Like it's a movie. Like I'm doing 28 days. I have movies like Friday and Love Jones and the what? You know, all these big movies that everybody knows. I didn't stop at Mines. I, I read some more of them because I wanted to see, see what you had yeah. to say. Like I wanted to see what you had to say and what what was the difference between those movies and mine because some of those movies, you know, they were uh, in the beginning stages for those executive producers or producers, directors, and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I wanted to see how you felt about those movies as well. And to be fair, look, I, I said the poetry in Love Jones was <laughs> trash. I said, you know, like, like I, 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 I do think trash. Well, you said I trashed the movie, so I was just using that. <laughs> yeah, but I know I, you did. I but said I'm it was just saying I yeah, hate the word. Trash. Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> I did. I, I always thought the the, the, the the poetry in Love Jones was so contrived. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, this is re-. like, it's not a good poem. And as somebody who wrote bad poetry, I know bad poems when I see them. So, um, you know, I I agree with you, actually. Like, there's a lot of, look, I, I'm very critical of even Tyler Perry films, but I watch them all. So it's one of those mm-hmm. things, like, I I don't just talk about this stuff without experiencing it. Like, I literally, mm-hmm. when Tyler Perry made that comment about he doesn't have, like, a writer's room, I actually started a podcast mm-hmm. called What If Tyler Perry Had a Writer's Room, <laughs> where I went through all of his movies and tried to figure out what I would do differently you know, because as a writer, you know, like, so it's like part of my goal is even if sometimes it goes sideways, like in this in this situation, it's like supporting the black community in supporting black like things everybody wouldn't see without knowing it exists. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Now, sometimes it goes awry, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, you know, I built out this odd lane where people do engage with some of the, the art that I present. Mm-hmm. That they otherwise would not, you know what I mean? But yes, I absolutely know what you you mean. Um, because what I'm learning is, I think sometimes more people will watch your film off of someone saying they don't like it. You know what I'm saying? Or dragging it as opposed to you know people saying it's good sometimes. Because 
people just like let me go in here and see what this you know this bullshit is you know yeah so, <laughs> oh you can say it we 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 free, we free with speech over <laughs> well, here let me see go what ahead. bullshit is he talking about you know so it, and it will make people watch it you know and then you may have some people that watch it and disagree and then some that agree with you but uh, and you did say that you was like you know even though I didn't, you know, it wasn't my cup of tea or whatever. You was like, I'm still going to support it. And I'm still going to tell people about it. So I appreciate it because that yeah, helps and, yeah. indie filmmakers a lot. Yeah. I mean, look, <laughs> I said what I said in the words of NeNe Leaks, but <laughs> I would watch it and I would, I would tell other people to watch the movie. You know what I'm saying? Like I would mm-hmm. never tell people, you know, I think part of the issue that I, it's just, there's just so much content out there at this point. You know, like there yeah. was a time when we used to complain that there wasn't. Mm-hmm. And now there's so much. It's like it's hard to even decide. When I landed on Canaan, like I was looking, trying to find a movie to watch. So then I had to start. <laughs> it's not just as easy as finding a black movie now. Mm-hmm. Now I have to look for little things. And I, I, whatever it was that 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 stuck out to me was like, oh, this. And then I looked up Detroit. Boom, doing mm-hmm. it. Like I, again, so the Detroit <laughs> thing opened the curtain for me. Um, so how do you, you know, we you you mentioned off camera before, like you felt like the interaction we had like it, it helped you grow a little bit it did it did it did talk talk to me about that so it helped me grow because like i said when i first saw it i was so excited like oh my god somebody did a you know review of my movie and wrote you know an article and different things you know this is great you know but then when i read it it was kind of hurtful like damn you know he dragged my movie but i had to look at it from a professional um standpoint and I had to understand, I already know that everything that I do, you know, it's going to be critiqued. Everybody isn't going to like everything that I do. I think the thing for me is I just hate the way people, for indie right filmmakers, the way that they describe our movies or may talk about it and say things, because they don't understand how much it takes for us to, you know, make a movie, the whole process, the money that we're putting into it, you know, and the different things that we go through. But it helped me grow because instead of, cussing you out maybe like I wanted to <laughs> in the back of my mind like this mother <laughs> you know I was like you know what let me just tell him thank you for even watching it and supporting it and I knew that when you put it out there and put it on Twitter <laughs> that people would see it and like you said people were going to either watch it to love it or they were going to watch it to hate it so I knew it would something either way you know it still was some publicity for my movie and let me tell you, even if you had cussed me out, I still would have reached out to you and asked if you'd be willing to come to have this conversation. Even if you would have done that, I still probably would have been like, all right, okay, so we, we got a real one here. All right, let's, you know, let's see. I mean, you know, because, so what I've learned, and, you know, I'm not impervious to that too. So I'm a writer. Like, I've written thousands and thousands of articles. I built my own platform uh, before I joined the Grio called Very Smart Brothers. And we, you know, my partner and I, you know, and we're writing, you know, we're, get, we're trying to get people to read these articles, you know what I'm saying? We're writing and what what we both found out was just because you do it, some people are going to hate what you do. There are people who hate everything I write. It doesn't matter what I, I could write. Hello, God is good. And they're going to take issue with the way that I wrote is like, they're gonna be like, man, you should have wrote like people just, you know, so I had to learn that over time that you know i had to i had to develop kind of a thick skin for my own but what i will tell you what it, it did teach me about was that i started and again this is going to be ironic considering what we're talking about like i'm very intentional about just supporting blackness at this point like even that 20 days of black movies even putting movies in there you know 
I didn't write a straight negative review of the movie. I picked an I picked an aspect of it to talk about, like to talk about this one thing, to generate a conversation about this idea that I thought was in the movie. Yeah. Now, you're right. There are things that I wrote in there that I probably could have left out. They, they weren't necessary. <laughs> they weren't necessary. But, okay. um, you know, I've been very intentional about just being celebratory or just like highlighting blackness and black culture and being like, you know what? If I got something negative to say, maybe it's not always necessary to say because how is this really making the community better, right? So again, that's <laughs> to say it's ironic because of why we're even here. Mm. Um, but I had to develop that. So you mentioned indie film, like talk to me about that. That like, like what's your goal as an indie filmmaker? Like where are you trying to go with this? How much of it is a labor of love? Like, do you ever have days you just want to quit doing this? Like where you're like, I can't do this no more. Like. What's, what, no, what's, what's the like? I do not. But I do have days where I'll be like, I need a rest. You know, um, where I'm trying to go, I have a production company, Chase Encounter Productions. As you can see, my hat and my shirt, you know, I am my brand. Um, and so I want to become a worldwide ho- household name. I don't always want to just be, you know, um, let me rephrase that because there's some people, it's nothing wrong with being an indie filmmaker. I'm just saying I want bigger goals for myself. I want to put things out, movies out where everybody can watch it. I don't want to be constricted to one genre. I want to make something where everybody can say, oh, I watched that movie because I'm very aware and I listen and I see what people tweet. I see what people post on Facebook. You know, some people like hood movies. They love them. And then there's some people who don't like them at all. Some people like faith-based movies. Some people like family movies. Some people like anime. So I want to be a producer, a director, a creator, a writer, an author that can give you everything that you're looking for. At least somebody's able to say, yeah, I love that. I love what she did. And tell me about your support system here. Because I imagine you need a very strong support system when you're doing anything where you're building something from the ground up. So, of course, my family um, is is a strong support system. My husband and my children, they're all very supportive. I have a lot of strangers, people that, you know, from everywhere that I meet online and stuff like that. They're very supportive. Um, My old coworkers, a lot of them were extremely supportive. So I would say I have a nice support support system. We didn't talk about that. I do want to bring that up briefly. You worked as a corrections officer for, you said, 17 years. So I'm assuming those are the old coworkers you're talking about? Yes, yeah. Okay, so you do this full-time now. So this is like your (laughs) full-time job? Yes, Did you transition out of being a corrections officer into doing this? Yes, that's what I did. Oh, please tell me about First, tell me about being a corrections (laughs) officer. And then tell me about that transition, because that's a very stark transition. It is. I loved my job. The only thing I did not like about being a correction officer, I was mandated a lot because we were very short-staffed. And I mean, for years, it went on. So that was the only complaint. And then the distance. What is mandated? What does that mean? Oh, I'm sorry. It means, like, my shift was 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. And if you don't come to work for your 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. shift, Uh. I'm there for your shift. Okay. Because, you know, the prison got to run. You can't run without officers. Right. So if you right. don't come to work, I got to stay. But once I got into film, and because before I even got into film, as time went on, I did, I will say that I started wanting more. The biggest thing was I wanted to be home with my family, and I didn't want to okay. spend as much time away from them as I was. So I was praying to God for a couple of years 
for something else to come up where I can make money and still be home with my family. And this was it. I can imagine, like, I'm, I'm yeah, guys, I'm out. I'm about to go make some movies. Yeah, it was a scary Check process. Me it was scary. It was scary to just jump I'm from sure. to this. Because that was 17 years of stability, 17 years of a check, 17 years of Blue Cross, Blue Shield, dental and vision, you know, <laughs> that they were providing. And now I'm doing all of that on my own. I mean, that, that speaks to everybody who has a creative passion, right? Like you got to, you have to jump out there on faith, as they say, right? You got to, you got to take that leap. And I mean, it seems like for you, it's working, right? Yes. But let me say this, please don't just like jump out there without a plan. You definitely got to have a plan. You know what I'm saying? You got, you definitely got to have some money saved, you know, so that you can still pay your bills or whatever it is that you need to do. I am a true believer in working for someone else to pay for my dreams and goals and then later on being able to walk away from that job. You know, it's a lot of people like, I don't want to work. I just want to create. But sometimes you can do both. Sometimes you have to, you know, use that job to fulfill your passions over here. Yo, that is some of the realest advice. That's that's how I did. I mean, <laughs> yeah. for before I left to be a writer full time, I had a day job, office job, and mm-hmm. I basically used my office to do all the writing and stuff that I would yeah. do. Man, so, what? We had listen, a printer at there. work. You can print scripts, make copy, <laughs> all kinds. Wait, of you out here printing scripts at, at a? Were you at a prison? <laughs> like, were you out here printing scripts? I had my own printer in the unit, so you know, I would. Yeah, I was doing <laughs> stuff I had no business doing. <laughs> oh man, look at you telling telling your secrets out here. <laughs> Wait, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You can. You know, you may have to use that job to help get this one going. You know. And it may be little things like that, a printer that you may need, you know. So, I don't know. Yeah, I, de- I definitely did that. I definitely used government <laughs> resources to print out yeah. all types of things. Yes. I think at one point I printed out on a 150-page. Um, we were working on a script for – we were my partner and I were working on, like, a pilot trying to put together a TV show. Mm-hmm. So, tr- scripting – I think I printed out, like, 150 pages, like, at my work, at my job. But I did it in, like <laughs> – 10 page increment so like every 10 minutes i would go print out another 10 pages mm-hmm. so it didn't look suspicious yeah. you gotta make it work oh, you gotta make it work. i used to joke that if they fired me i wouldn't even complain because they would have a reason <laughs> even if they didn't know the right one mm-hmm. yeah so, oh, but um, this is great yeah i but i do i want to shout shout out my old job to um women's heron valley in uh ypsilanti michigan just okay. shout out to all my old coworkers for supporting me. Um, some of them are still supporting me now, and uh, my heart is still with them every day. I think about them all the time. I just want to say that. All right. Uh, my grandma lives in Ipsy, just a sidebar. Okay. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I am your host, Panama, and joined by Renika McQueen, a multi hyphenate writer. <laughs> executive producer movie maker indie movie maker who's moving on up who has films you should check out and she's going to tell you exactly where to check them out and what you need to look at but before we get there this is dear culture it's a podcast about about our culture and about the blackness so i have two questions that i want to ask of you okay just to kind of help people learn a little bit more so we're going to start with the black fashions which are our confessions that most black people might be surprised about Okay. So, please share. Do you have a black fashion for us? <laughs> um, I think my black fashion is I don't like a lot of the 
as we deem black food. You know, like, I don't like mustard and turnip greens. I don't like uh, chitlins. I don't like ham hogs. I don't like, I just started eating candy yams maybe like a year ago. Like, Wait, just started eating candy yams? Yeah, I would Wait, not where's your family me. from? <laughs> um, well, from Louisiana? Family, it, they from down south, and, you know, going back down my family tree, a lot of them are from down south and stuff like that, but... Um, mm-hmm. I just never liked any of that stuff. I don't eat it. <laughs> now, I'm with you on turnip green. I don't like those either. Um, yeah. I'm from down south. And that's why I asked. My family's from Alabama. Mm-hmm. So I know a lot of people in Michigan got family in Alabama. So everybody went straight up. Um, but the candy, you just started eating candy yams? Yeah. I, I and don't tell, like I was, it? I didn't like them. I was like, this is oh, disgusting. Wow. <laughs> mm, <laughs> but mm-mm. I just got into them, yeah. Now, um, do you, is and I be- just started eating, um, I think, oxtails for the first time, like, last year. My husband made some oxtail soup, and it was really good. And I was like, okay, I can do this, but mm no. That's interesting. <laughs> now, is it, be- do you, is it because you just eat healthy or you just don't like that stuff? No. Like, some people, it's a lifestyle I, No, it is not <laughs> because I just, no. You just don't no, like I don't it. just eat healthy. I just don't like it. No, I really don't want to eat chitlins. The way they make your house I, I don't meal, do chitlins. Yeah. I don't do chitlins. <laughs> no, we don't. My family disgusting. isn't big, big on chitlins. Yeah, and if my husband eat them, I'm like, dude, do not kiss me for a good week after you. That's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like chicken gizzards and pig knuckles and uh, pig feet. No, oh lord. No. Yeah, you talking about that deep, that that real deep, <laughs> deep, <laughs> real deep black food stuff. I'm basic yeah. macaroni and cheese, a little dressing, you know. Okay. Potato salad if it's good. All right. Well, that's that's interesting. I, I feel like you might have a lot more people who agree with you on that than, than wouldn't your black fashion seem like normal for a lot of people. Um, a black recommendation. So black recommendation is a recommendation about something black mm-hmm. uh, for us, by us, about us that you mm-hmm. think other people need to check out, be up on. So what is your black recommendation? You know, I'm going to say black films, black indie films. I think that... Um, watch them give us a chance give us opportunity grow with us see where we are from our very first film to the fifth film you know what i'm saying and when you guys are critiquing us or leaving reviews and things like that it is more than okay to be honest like hey your film wasn't that great but like i had somebody call (laughs) call one of my movies uh deceitful fashion a food stamp. Uh, oh my God! He, I was like, God damn! Wait, he you called know? it a food stamp? Yeah, he said this old cheap, low budget food stamp. Something. I was like, Oh my God! So I'm just asking, you know, you know, if you watched this interview and you've learned a little bit about the process and how much it takes for us to get to that point of even getting it together and filming it to show us a little grace you know, and understand that it is not that easy. And the fact that we have courage to step out and do it. There's so many people who want to follow their dreams and chase their goals, but they, they're afraid to because, you know, this is something they're going to have to deal with. Of course, it's a part of life being critiqued and judged and stuff like that, but some people can handle it better. That's all I'm saying. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, sure. Do you fixate on the negative criticism? No. I don't even, okay. you know what, I stop, um, I don't read. Because I've done that before, by the way. So. Nope. 
let me tell you something. Like, even when I saw yours, I read it thinking that it was going to be good. I'm not going to lie. But then when I saw it, I was like, God damn. But I don't even really read reviews about my movie anymore. Um, I, I'll skip right past them. Like, I do not, I don't go on Amazon and read them. Um, I don't go wherever you can leave. I won't read them. I learned to stop doing that a long time ago because it's hurtful. So, yeah, I don't do that, you know. Yeah, I would. I would, there have been times when I would write something and there'd be like a hundred comments and there'd be 99 <laughs> amens. And that one person is like, you suck. And I'm like, yeah, you'd be more I? focused on that one than the 99 like, that. Right. <laughs> I had to stop. So that's one of the things I had to remind myself. Like I've been doing this so long. I can't be caring about no person who <laughs> mm-hmm. they still read it. Like I'm like, they still yeah. read it. They clearly read it to tell me I suck. If they hear, or yeah. they decided to show up and tell me. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Well, Look, I appreciate you coming through. I genuinely I appreciate. I mean, yeah, all the all the lessons I've learned, just <laughs> understanding the process a little better. An appreciation for you, and I will support. Listen, no matter what thank I say, you. I'm gonna be out here watching every movie. I'm gonna oh, I'm gonna watch them. If I see, I will I will go in and search your name and see where the movies are and check those <laughs> out. Look now, now we have we have each other contact. You can slide me an email. I'm like, hey, I watched a movie. I ain't gonna put it online, but it, that shit was terrible. Do better. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but again, I, I don't even know if I can even say that because you got three, you got movies. I don't have no movies. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like people say stuff like that, but I do think all of us need to learn how to step back and realize that when we're critiquing things, like you are talking about somebody's, especially if you don't do it. Like if I make movies mm-hmm. and you make movies and then I probably, am, I feel like I'm in a, maybe a better space to, mm-hmm. and at that point, instead of critiquing, I probably should come and be like, here's what I think you could do or whatever like yeah. that. So yeah. I've learned, I'm learning lessons here too about how I can better approach these things. Like if there's something I feel like I can add a value, maybe that's the lesson to share, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. in that. Well, tell people where they can find you, where they can find your work, your your contact, all that stuff. Okay, so Deceitful Passions, that's my very first movie. You can find it on Amazon Prime, Tubi, Google Play, YouTube, Movie Rentals, Urban Flicks, Pluto, Cain and Abel. It's also on Google Play, YouTube, Movie Rentals. It's on Tubi and Amazon Prime right now. Um, You can find me on Instagram under underscore hey, H-E-Y underscore queen, or you can find me on there at Chasing Kind of Productions. You can find me on Facebook as Renika McQueen. All right. Well, look, yeah. I appreciate you being here. Thank you for spending some time. Thank you for being honest. No problem. Uh, you know, thank you. Thank you for reaching out on Twitter in the first place. You allowed yeah. uh, a space for because I think this would be helpful for, for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I got to do that more often. I get all kind of folks on here. Um, yes, you will. <laughs> you're probably right, actually. People, they, they hit be me up and that's like, OK, like, you got a lot of nerve. And then, and then you know, the I DM be like, you want to come talk about it? Yeah. Everybody's like, yeah, yeah I want to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> I want to talk about it? Absolutely. Yeah. But, you know. <laughs> and, you know, so I want to thank uh, thank everybody for for listening, for checking us out. Thank you, Renika. Um, you know, thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, please give us a five-star review on and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast, wherever you're listening to it. And make sure you share with everybody you know. That we we doing this for the culture here. So every little bit of of information, the people that we have here, this is a this is something that's intended to make the culture better and grow the culture, and so we can find out people doing cool things. 
Um, please email all questions, suggestions, and compliments to podcast at thegrio.com. The Deer Culture Podcast is brought to you by the Griot's Podcast Network. I'm your host, Panama Jackson. It is produced by Crystal Grant and edited by Cameron Blackwell. Thanks for joining us. Catch you next time. Next week on Deer Culture. <laughs>